In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to us so that we might be able to have what is good instead of choosing what's bad. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, We've been going through this book of Galatians for a couple of weeks now, actually, and we've kind of been seeing what Paul has to say to these Galatian people and um, how he's talking to them and and, uh, really getting the sense that it's all about what Jesus has done for you. And so maybe it seems a little bit out of step in a way that he then starts to go on this sort of little tirade about, well, you should um, not go to orgies and you should have patience. And he's sort of setting these two lists that are out there and saying, well, there's these two lists. And one of these lists has to do with the flesh and the other list has to do with the spirit. And in verse 17, he says something that's really interesting. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so the question that you're left with after you read that verse really is, well, which way is it? What are the things that you want to do? Because just from that verse alone, just from that reading alone, you can't necessarily determine which one of those things is hampering you. Right? Because if you want to do good stuff, then it's your flesh that's hampering you. It's the flesh that's keeping you from doing the good stuff that you want to do. But if you want to do bad stuff, well then it's the spirit that is opposed to your flesh and saying, don't do the bad stuff. And so, when you start to think about that question, well, what do I want to do? Maybe you're, you're sort of left with this, you know, you're, you're thinking fairly highly of yourself, and you're like, well, I want to do the good stuff. And in that case, you're very much unlike me, because I grew up Lutheran. And I have this sort of sense of, well, I know that deep down in the seed of my heart, there are things that I probably don't want everybody to know about. That there are some desires inside of me that are really bad. And so when I read Paul's text there, and I hear him say, well, these things are set in opposition to one another so that you don't do the things that you want to do. I know what those things are that I want to do. And I give thanks to the Holy Spirit that he's like, well, maybe you should think about something else. But every now and again, I give in to something like Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. You see, you know the book? It it got a lot of press about a year and a half ago or so. It's written by this person named E.L. James who basically took the, the Twilight books, you know, the really awful movie, the books that those were based on, and did fan fiction. And instead of vampires, it was this weird sort of underground sex culture thing. And all of the reviews that I, I heard about it were just awful. 
And everybody that I talked to, they said, well, this book is really bad. You, you should not read it. You should not read it on moral grounds. You should not read it because you're an English major and you know better. Um, you, you should not read it for all sorts of different reasons. Even the Leon County Public Library here in Tallahassee has refused to stock it on their shelves because they're like, this is such an atrocious piece of work. We are not going to let people have this thing for free. Which I was okay for that for quite some time, and then I bought a tablet. And as I was searching around in uh, Google Play Store um, and, and looking at all of the e-readers, I found the Fifty Shades of Grey app for freezies. And so I was like, well, it's for free. So I'm not actually like giving my money and supporting this thing, and I am going on vacation and I need something mindless to read, so why don't I just download this and really just embrace the horror of how bad this thing actually is. And I did it because I am bad. Because there's a little part of me that no matter who told me this is a horrible piece of work, and no matter the people that I knew on Facebook who didn't read the book and were just sort of, you know, re-quoting other stuff that they had seen elsewhere on the Internet, or if there were people that I actually knew that had read the book and said this really is as bad as everybody says it is, I still had this sort of, it's a banned book and I'm going to be an outlaw by reading this. I'm even reading a pirated copy of it. (laughs) And so I read the book. It really was as bad as everybody said. I mean, awful. Even to the point where you're reading through the book and you can see scenes from Twilight, the movie, in it. And it's like this horrible deja vu that comes up and it's this sense of this is bad. But sometimes we want to choose the bad. Sometimes we want to choose things that are not actually living up to how we think of ourselves. Because normally we think of ourselves as being fairly good people. We think of ourselves as being people that will tend to make the right decision all the time. Yes, every now and again, oh, we might trip and fall into temptation, but we'll never actually make a choice to do something bad. Like read Fifty Shades of Grey. But in reality, we make that choice a lot. Maybe you don't read trashy, weird sex novels. But maybe you sneak out and you, you know, have that cigarette that you've been trying to quit for however long. Or maybe you talk about a coworker behind their back. And it feels good. You're choosing to do it. Or maybe it's something else that you know is bad, but you're still going to say, I'm going to choose this bad thing. And it reveals a little bit about about who you are. It reveals that you do need a Savior. It reveals that you need somebody to come in and to save you from the ways in which you have actually perverted 
the good desires that God has given you. Because literally, to be perverted means to make the wrong way. It means to turn something in in such a way that that it is now the wrong way. And that's what we do most of the time when we're sinning, if not all of the time. We're just taking a desire inside of us that is normally going to be a desire for something that is good and godly, but for some reason we, we take it and we chase it the wrong way. And so, if you want sex... Our perverted hearts say, well, the way that I can get that is by chasing people that I know are going to give me sex. And when you do that, you end up being very unfulfilled. And if you say, well, I want to chase fun, so the way that I'm going to chase fun is I'm going to go out to the Tennessee Strip and I'm going to get crunk. And then you wake up. (laughs) And judging from your laughter, I don't need to tell you what the back end of that one is. Or I want to do this, and so you end up chasing something in the wrong way. And what Paul is saying here is that God already has ways for you to chase those things. He's saying, look, I I know that you want those things. I know that you want intimacy. I know that you want love. I know that you want fun. I know that you want rejoicing. And I have those things for you. Just chase me. Instead of chasing those things, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so that deep down inside of you, you have this sense of being able to chase those things in a way that will actually give you what you want. And so he's saying, chase me and I will give you a partner in life. Chase me and I will give you rejoicing at the weirdest times. Chase me and I will give you the things that you really need and I will orient your life in a way that is actually good and is good eternally. And that's an important point because we know that when we chase the wrong thing, we know that there's an expiration date on that. We know that if we talk about our coworker or our sister or whoever it is for too long, things are going to get back around to them and it's not going to be good anymore. And we know that if we keep on making wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision, people are actually going to say, that person makes wrong decisions. Wrong decisions have this temporary nature about them. And they come back to bite us. We even have a cliche that I just used in order to talk about what that's like. But God says, I'm offering you eternity. And the things that are in this eternity are good things. And the way that you can know that they're good things, you don't just have to take my word for it. The way that you can know that they're good things is that they're eternal things.
that what God has given us can last for eternity. And the only things that last for eternity are good. And He's given that to us in the most paradoxical of ways. By actually choosing for His Son to have an expiration date on His life. To die on a cross. To choose what is bad for Himself. So that when we choose what is bad for ourselves, that He exchanges our choice with His and gives us what is eternal and good. And so, walk in step with the Spirit this week. When you're given those choices for this thing or that thing, when you're given those choices of what to watch on TV or on your computer, when you're given those choices of what to do about your neighbor that just frustrates you so much, when you're given a choice to do all sorts of things, just think to yourself, what of these choices might be able to last forever? What of these choices is the choice that Jesus has given me to live out for the rest of my eternity. And see how good it feels. Because you want to feel good. You don't want to waste your time. And some of you will, after the sermon, I'm sure, go out and buy that stupid book. You don't want to waste your time on it. Go and buy something good. Read Proust. Read Shakespeare. Read Twain. Read anybody but E.L. James. Because after you read them, it'll be good. Make those same decisions in your own life. But if you make the bad one, know that he's always going to be there to exchange your bad decision with his good one. Amen.